This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Pesach So we're going to go to um, Pasha, in Pasha's bow. We're really going to talk about the relationship between Klai Yisrael and Hashem. We're going to tell you an amazing story today. Maybe two even. We'll see if we get to it. But I want to ch- try to get you in the mind frame, the mindset of what Pesach is all about. It's not a Cholomoy trip. It's not, it's not what it's about. Um, it's not even about eating food. Much, much, much deeper. The, the whole thing doesn't make sense, honestly. Because, like, like, I understand when Hashem says you're not allowed to eat chazer, something that's not kosher, fish that's not kosher, lobster, and all these different things. But, 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 but bread is, is something that is kosher and that you're allowed to eat all the time. So, like, what happens all of a sudden, like, for seven days you can't eat bread? Like, what, what's wrong with bread? It's kosher. You eat it the whole year. You, you, you wash on it um, for Shabbos three times. And uh, if you make a wedding, you, you wash. And if you make a pinion ben, you wash. And if you make a, a brismila, you wash. And uh, you're always, you know, what's wrong with bread? What happened? What's going on? What's so bad about bread? What is, what's going on over here? It can't be the bread. There's something wrong with bread. A crumb? I mean... If you're not Jewish and you're like, it's like ridiculous. The maids are like, you know, going to the chair and, and vacuuming, get the oh the crumb, and they're like, they're not Jewish. You're like, what are you scared of? Like, like God forbid, if you find the crumb on Pesach, it's like, well, what's wrong with the crumb? What's wrong with the crumb? You don't have crumbs the whole year. This is something that's much deeper going on on Pesach than some bread. So, it's a representation. We're going to learn it inside, but it's a, it's a representation. It's not the bread. It's what the bread represents. All the Mepharshim, all the Svarim, Kol Chamet, Se'ar, Shebi'isa. The the sour of the dough, the yeast, the we know that the matzah has to be made in eighteen minutes, and if it's over eighteen, it takes more than eighteen minutes. It's total chametz. So from from one second to the next, which is time, something can become chametz or something can become matzah. If it's eighteen minutes and one second, it's it's like eating chow. It's mamish chametz. So what's this se'ar shebi'isa? This unleavened sour dough. So according to all the mafarshim, it represents the satan. That's what it represents. Chametz represents the satan. What's the difference between the word chametz and matzah? They both have a Mem. They both have a tzaddik. The only two letters they have different is matzah has a hay and chametz has a ches. What's the difference between a hay and a ches? A little teeny hole. On the top, the top and the, and the, the hay, there's a little space. Teeny little space between a hay and a ches. It's very deep. I'm not going to get into what a hay, a hay, 
Um, the difference between a hay and a ches is a very, very deep Kabbalistic thought. Uh, I'll try to explain it to you in a little, little bit of a, of a way. The difference between the letter ches and the letter hay is the space on top. Um, anybody artistic here? Could you, could you bring the blackboard up here? Or we'll turn around and look at it. Just make a ches and make a hay. Yeah, just make a chess and make a hay. I know you know the difference, but I want you to see it. Okay, you know what? So we, we got to get the... Bring it up. We got to get the camera involved so that the people who are watching can see it. Ah. Sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, slide it up there. Thank you. What I'm going to show you is, I don't. I, most people don't know. Most people don't learn. Hey, where am I? Okay, listen carefully. The difference between chametz, right, right, chametz. Let's do chametz matzah. Do I write chametz? You, know you don't know how to write. We have someone that has a good handwriting. Right, chametz. Mem tzadik. It's just three letters, right? Yeah, ma'am. Beautiful. All right, matzah. Okay. Underneath it. So, thank you very much. Like okay. <laughs> now, you're wondering why, why isn't Rabbi Wallerstein writing? You're right, why isn't Rabbi Wallerstein writing? So, I'm a Kohen. Now, a Kohen, the base of Migdash, has to be a righty. You have to be a righty. A left, being a lefty, is actually a mum. If you're a lefty and you're a Kohen, you can't do the Avodah in the base of Migdash. What makes a person a lefty and a, or a righty? How you eat, how you throw a ball, how you rub your forehead? No, how you write. If you write right-handed, you're a righty. It doesn't matter if you do everything else lefty. If you write left-handed, you're a lefty. So when I was born as a child, I was putting everything in my left hand because I was born a lefty. Well, my father didn't want me to have a mum, because I wouldn't be able to, I'm a kind, I wouldn't be able to do the avayda. So every time I put the pen in my left hand, I put it in my right hand. Every time I put the spoon in my left hand, I put it in my right hand. Be- baseball, hockey, all that stuff, I'm total lefty. E- energy, strength, I'm totally a lefty. So he forced me to be a righty. So I'm a righty, because I don't want to have a mum, but really I'm a lefty. So when I write with my right hand, it's like someone writing with the wrong hand. You can't read it. <laughs> so... Right, but I'm not ambidextrous. I'm really a lefty. I'm a lefty writing righty. <laughs> ambidextrous means you're born and both are equal. You're not. So that's why I had you do it instead of me, because I want them to be able to read it. I mean, I could write it, but whatever. Anyway, so w- listen to this. Listen to this. Um, and whoever's watching, I never even, I never spoke about this on Torah anytime. This is something that's it's very deep, so I don't really want to get into too heavy, but a little bit we'll get into it. So, so... The, the whole, the whole Pesach and the cleaning, we're going we're to learn a little Zaya today, is all about cleaning the Satan out of your soul. So when, when you, is actually a Hini Muchlam Zuma, when you vacuum in your house, or you're cleaning your room, you're supposed to say, that I'm, I'm, what I'm cleaning physically is a representation of really what I need to clean spiritually. That's really what it's all about. So, in a ches, 
in a ches. So there's really only one. There's really really only one way to get into the ches. You can, you can't get in from here, and you can't get in from here, and you can't get in from here. You got to go to the bottom, bottom up, right? Bottom up. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu opened up a place for us to do tshuva because sometimes when you go to the bottom you get stuck at the bottom so it doesn't your, your tshuva, you, you don't end up getting here, but Hashem said in matzah the difference is that you don't need to go to the bottom you could go all the way to the top and come in here so when you do your tshuva you're already at the top of the hay you follow what I'm saying? it's, it's a little very so the difference between chametz and matzah is the hay has two openings. One below, one on, one on top. The ches only has a below. So the hay is on a much higher level. In, in Hashem's name, there's not a ches, there's a hay. Right? So what, what we're learning here is that very, very much what's going on on Pesach, which we're going to see soon, is more spiritual than a, a piece of bread. What is the power of the sour part of the dough, you, you're bakers. It, it's what makes the dough rise. So, the kayach, the strength of the satan is that if you're not continuously working on yourself and you're just like, let me be, you're, the satan in you, the yetzahara in you will grow. Matzah is to work and work. And twist and, and and burn and make holes in and work and work and work. A person who is on that level of matzah, right? On on the, and matzah is called it's called in the Zaya lechem deme menusa. That's what it's called in Arabic. It's the bread of emuna. It's the bread of belief because matzah, even though it's very poor and it didn't rise, it's like depressed. Matzah is like depressed bread. It needs like therapy. It's like it just—it's always depressed. It didn't—it didn't go anywhere, right? Um, but that same matzah has an amazing thing. That the reason it's called lechem oni, the bread of a poor person, is because poor people eat matzah because it takes a long time to digest. So when you eat matzah, you don't get hungry for a long time. Bread, boom, it goes through your system. It goes—it goes right away. So even though it's a poor man's bread, on the other hand, it has a lot of very you know very good things about it. Um, it's also very plain. It's just water and flour. It's very, very plain. For a person to grow spiritually, you can't have too many ingredients. The plainer you are, right? What does it say? It says if you if you want to learn Tyra, you should eat you should eat bread and drink water, nothing else. So, what we're about to go into, which we're going to see soon, um, because we we were in Mitzrayim and we were. We were very um, in a very bad place. We were on the 49th level of Tumah. We, we were not good people. It's not like Hashem came to Mitzrayim and said, which we get, I'll tell you a beautiful story today about this. Maybe some of you are going to need tissues after that story, but we'll see. But um, we, were, we, were, we were on the 49th level of Tumah. And we didn't have the Torah. So we, we, we didn't have the Torah yet. We didn't go to Harsina yet. So we were in big trouble. So this, this, this matzah had a very powerful, that's why it's called Lechem de Menusa, very powerful spirit.
spiritual part of it. And and there, there were three things they ate. Maror, Matzah, and Korban Pesach. So the Maror was in memory of of the bitterness. Which is an interesting point um, in psychology because therapy and, and, and I'm not always for therapy depending on what trauma the girl went through um, therapy believes to go back into your trauma like to go back into your infection and, and clean it out I find many people get re-traumatized like I was, I was traumatized when I'm 8 years old now I'm 17 now you want me to go back to be, being 8 years old and going back into my trauma if the, if the trauma therapist is not really good then you're stuck back in your trauma and really bad stuff happens so you got to be able to go back there and then clean it out. Uh, you got to be really good at that. The the life coaching world, right? Right now, not only life coaching, but the more somatic work and stuff like that is let's not go back into your trauma. Let's not re-traumatize you. Let's go forward. Let's go forward. What happened happened. We can't change what happened. Well, we could change what's gonna happen. So state of mind is state of being. So let's just, let's not go back there anymore. Let's go forward. The therapeutic world says, well, you still have that. You know, you still have the infection. You didn't take care of it. So it's machlekes between the two. And some people, it's good to go forward. And some people need to go backwards, depending on the person, depending on the trauma, depending on a lot of things. In Mitzrayim, in, in Pesach night, you're going backwards. Was bitter. They, were kill, they were throwing kids in the Nile River. They were killing kids and, and, and bathing uh, power in the blood. And I'm going backwards. Right? So, so it's fascinating because Hashem's the best psychologist in the world, by far. He doesn't even charge you $400 a half hour. And you eat, according to Hillel, you eat the matzah. The matzah reminds you of what? Of what? No? Hello? Of leaving Mitzrayim. You ate matzah, you left Mitzrayim, it baked on your back, whatever. We're not going to get into the whole thing. How it baked on your back is all kind of, Really, for matzah to bake on your back, it has to be 220 degrees, then you'll be dead. The matzah might bake on your back, but you're also going to bake. So what was going on over here? You, you think it was 210 degrees in the desert? And like, oh, I'm frying and, my, and there's matzah on my back? So most of the Mepharshim say that it was a miracle that it baked on their back even though it wasn't hot. In other words, they put this dough on their back and it became matzahs. It didn't have to be hot. And some other rabbis say that they went to Sukkos, the first place outside of Mitzrayim, and they really baked them in ovens. Because it, wasn't, it wasn't 210 degrees. They wouldn't have been able to walk. Their kids wouldn't be able to live. Whatever it was. So the matzah, the mara is what I went through. The matzah is that I'm leaving, I'm leaving Mitzrayim. The Pesach is fascinating. The carbon Pesach, which we don't have, but we'll mention we will have, is the only carbon that the person doesn't bring any part of the carbon on the Mizbeach. Every time you bring a carbon, chatas, asham, ola, whatever it is, right? The person gets part of it. Let's say an ola, the mizbeach gets everything except the skin. Shlamim, you get certain body parts that you can eat and certain parts go on. Chatas, there's always Hashem and you. There's always something for you. Sometimes ola only a little bit. Mostly for Hashem. Shlamim more for you, less for Hashem. Carbon Pesach girls, Hashem gets nothing. 
You eat the whole thing. So it's a very different kind of carbon, and that carbon is in memory of Pasach that Hashem killed all the Mitzrayim's firstborn, and He passed over us. So we got three things going on here. One, it was bad news in Mitzrayim, bitter. Two, we're getting out of Mitzrayim. Three, Hashem saved us from dying when all the other Mitzrayim were dead, and according to Hillel, you eat all three together. Because to live a healthy life, you got to know where you were and where you got out of. And that's why, um, really at the Seder, you're supposed to talk about your Mitzrayim. What you went through this year. Not just what happened thousands of years ago. But you know what the word Mitzrayim comes from? The word Mitzar. Mitzar means narrowing. They try to take the Jewish nation and choke us. Comes from the word Mitzrayim, comes from the word narrowing. They broke people's spirits. That's what they did. So I have no question. I just came back from COVID. I wasn't here for two weeks. Uh, I was pretty sick for two weeks. I had, a, I, had I ran fever for two weeks. Uh, I can't explain to you. And Baruch Hashem, I had it easy because I didn't have uh, oxygen problems and hospital problems. I just had fever and like flu-like symptoms. I didn't. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't pick up the phone. I couldn't eat. I. I I wasn't interested in anything, just my head in the pillow. And then you sweat at night, and your whole bed is soaking, and then the next day your fever's up. It's like crazy stuff, and I didn't even have it bad. And I, 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 I was very nervous. Fever for two weeks is a very long time. Even the doctor got a little nervous. And then the fever broke. I woke up one morning, I was sweated out, and fever broke five days ago, six days ago, fever broke. And I, I will definitely talk about this at the Seder. Because I was in Mitzrayim. I was stuck for two weeks in Mitzrayim. I, I, I couldn't do anything. And what Hashem, Hashem took me out of my Mitzrayim. Everybody has different Mitzrayims. So that's also something that we need, you need to talk about to Hashem at the Seder. You don't have to tell everybody your stuff. But you should definitely, when you're reading the Haggadah, you should talk about Mitzrayim that you were in and that, that you got out of. So there's a, there's a lot more going on than it looks at, looks like. But I think, and everyone who's watching this is going to be watching this on Torah anytime, I think that the most important thing that we need to take out of this whole Pesach and leaving Mitzrayim is that God loves us and that God was very, very much with us. So I want to read you, I want to read you, Pesach, so you understand what I'm saying. By Yoma Moshe, Pesach Dalid, Perkut Aleph. So says Hashem. Around midnight. God didn't want to say at midnight because your watch would be a minute off. You'd be like, ah, you see God? You showed up at 12.01, not at 12 o'clock. So Hashem said around midtime. Some people's watches are fast. Some people's watches are slow. But this is what Hashem says. Around midnight. I am going out to the middle of Mitzrayim. Me. I'm going. No, no, no angels. Me. I'm going to the middle of Mitzrayim. Okay? Hashem says, I'm doing this. Then he says something to Moshe. And he says, Your, your, pants should be belted. No, it's ready to go. Now, Your shoes should be on your feet. 
and your sticks, your walking sticks, should be in your hands. Chipazon, literal translation, means fast. Do it fast. Pesachul Hashem. Says Rashi, what does Chipazon mean? Loshan Bahala. Like, wow! That's what it means. Leave it try, I'm like, wow! And Umihiris. In a moment, like, get out of here. What's going on over here? What does that mean? What is Chipazon? So, many times, girls ask this question, more than boys ask this question, and they're like, their friend just got engaged after 10 dates, 12 dates, whatever it is, and what's the number one question? How did you know? How do you know? I'm dating also, like, how do you know? How many times did you go out? 10 times. What date did you know? When did you know? Fourth date, sixth date, eighth date, tenth date? Do you, do you know yet? And every girl's different. Every guy's different. Guys don't really talk about it that much, but every girl's different. One girl's like, on the third date, I knew he was the one. One girl's like, on the fifteenth date, I knew he was the one. One girl's like, on the fourth date, I knew what it. What does that mean? What does it mean you knew on the fourth date that he was the one? So there's a moment, Mitzvah by all of you, give you a bracha, there's a moment that you just know. It's not about fifth date, sixth date, eighth date, we went out to a good restaurant, we didn't go out to a good restaurant. It's just like, you just like, Ma, he's the one, if he says yes. And your mother's like, how do you know? Put it on a paper. Da, 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 da. But you want a guy with blue eyes, and he has brown eyes, and you want this guy, and he's Ashkenazi, and he's Friday. And you're like, it's not logical. It's not. It's surely not logical. It's not what you put on the paper. It's not what you told us all the time you wanted to marry. I know, but I'm telling you, this is the guy. So there's a moment when you just know. This moment happens on Pesach. And it's a fascinating medrash and a fascinating story that goes with the medrash. Hashem came to the angels and he said, I fell in love with this nation tonight. And I want to take them to be my kala. And the angel said to Hashem, I'll show you the Medrash. What are you talking about? They're on the 49th level of Tumah. They're filthy, they're ugly, they're disgusting, they don't even believe in you. Why would you want to take them to be your wife? And Hashem said, it's just the way it is. On paper... It don't make no sense. It's not the nation that Avram Avinu was. They're, they serve Baal, they serve Paul, they serve Avedizara. So the angel said, if you're going to take the girl, the, your Kala, on the 49th level of Tumah, you have two nations 
in Mitzrayim that are on the 49th level of Tumah. The Jews and the Egyptians. But the Jews are the slaves. And the Egyptians are the masters. So if you're going to take one that's on the 49th level of Tumah, take the masters. Why take the Jews? They're a bunch of low-life slaves. And Hashem said, I don't know why this one over that one. It's like, the guy went out with 10 different girls, and they're like, like why her? Like, the other one was much more beautiful. The girl that you went with last time, she was drop-dead gorgeous. She was, she was a model. This girl's like, uh, you know... You know, guys, they give numbers. She's a five, you know. She's just a five, you know. Other girl was a ten, maybe a twelve. You know, she's a five. Like, why are you going out with a five? Why are you getting engaged to a five? You know, and he's like, ah, to me, she's a fifteen. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, and and it doesn't doesn't always make sense to like that. But that's just the way it is. So Hashem said to the angels, "You're right. Those are the slaves. Those are the masters. But ah, uh, Bahala." Wow! That's it. Wow! They're wow! Does it make sense? No! So the angels were very disturbed about this. You're talking about God. So they said to Hashem, they wanted to block it. They didn't want us. They said to Hashem, well, you're a Kohen. Hashem is called a Kohen. And Mitzrayim is full of Avaydazara, it's Tomei. So a Kohen is not allowed to go into a, uh, uh, to a place where there's dead people, a graveyard. So Hashem, you can't go into Mitzrayim. Hashem said, I'm going into Mitzrayim, right? You can't go into Mitzrayim because it's like a graveyard, it's full of Avaydazara, and you're going to become Tomei. They wanted to block him. So Hashem said, but there's a law that if you have Truma, which is very holy, and it's in a in a graveyard, and it's not Tomei, a Kohen, even though by going into the graveyard he's going to become Tomei, he should save the Truma. So Hashem said, it's beautiful, when I read it, I was like, I'm like in love. Hashem says, Klai Yisrael is my Truma. So even though they're in the graveyard, I will become Tomei. So this I don't understand. So the Malachim said, but if you're God and you become Tomei, who's going to make you Tahar? Who's going to purify you? We have, we have a Kohen that has a paraduma, but you're Hashem. Hashem said, Aaron Kohen. I don't know what that means. How does Aaron Kohen make Hashem pure? I don't know. But that's what he answered. So they said, okay. They really cared about God. And they said, okay, okay, listen, listen, listen. You want to marry this peasant? These people who are on the 49th level of Tumor? You want to marry them? No problem. But you, you're Hashem. Don't go into Mitzrayim. Ugh, disgusting. Everywhere there was Avay Dezara. We'll take the Jews out. We'll meet you at Harsinai. We'll take them out. We're a bunch of angels. We know how to handle it. We'll kill all the Bechorim. We'll do, we'll do your job. And we'll meet you at Harsinai. So you know what Hashem answered? Hashem said, Could you imagine a, a boy is proposing to a girl... And he sends a shliach. So this girl's going out with this guy, right? And she's ready to get engaged. He's like, meet me at the beach. You know, because that's like, you know, it's going to be in the seashells. Will you marry me with candles that all the guys set up, whatever. Right? If they don't do that, it's okay. Don't let, oh, Rabbi Wallace, you said you're supposed to have that. 
That's not whatever. Most important thing is not their proposal. Is the 60, 70 years after that how they treat you? It's not. I, I, I always yell at my boys. I'm like, they're married like five, six, ten years. I'm like, did you did you ever um, pick up your wife with a limo? Huh? I'm like, you know, pick her up from work or you know, you ever send the limo? So like, what are you talking about? I'm like. Oh, but the wedding night is a limo outside the wedding hall. Everybody has to see it. I'm like, what about after that? When was the last time you sent her a limo? They're looking at me like, I'm like, that's nothing. Anyway, whatever. It's a, it's a subject I can't even talk publicly about. What I, my subject that I really spoke to them about. But anyway, so it's not. That's not the. That's not the important thing. So the the, the angels are like. So Hashem said, like, could you imagine? So this girl's on, that's it, he says, meet me at the beach, right? And she's like, ah, he's going to propose tonight. She found that already, she heard, the house, in the house, you know, they already set up the kiddush, so it's not like a big surprise, or like, I am. She's like, I know what's going on, but okay, I'll make believe, so he feels good that I don't know nothing, you know, meet me at the beach. So she comes to the beach, this guy shows up, she never saw before. What's he doing here? Um, hi, Miriam. And this guy, who she never saw before, gets down on one knee. I'm here for Mayor. Mayor wants to know, will you marry him? She's going to kick the sand in this guy's face and say, you tell Mayor if he wants to marry to get himself over here. I am not talking to you. That's what Hashem told the angels. You're going to take my collar out of a triumph? You? Ani, you say it in the Haggadah. Ani v'lo malach. I'm not sending no messenger an angel. Ani v'lo shliach. No messages. Ani v'lo sheraf. No killing angels. Ani v'atzmi. When I propose to my nation, I'm proposing. I don't need you angels to go. And God himself went to Mitzrayim. And he said, close your doors, put blood of the Korban Pesach on the inside. Did you ever learn this? That you supposed to have, at that time, the only, it was the only time you had to do that, put blood on the inside of the door? You didn't learn this when you were, they put blood on the inside of the door. Ask, I, no, so that's a very big question. Why would you put it on the outside? On the outside, then I know that you're Jews inside. How do I know what's going on inside? Bomb question to say at the, at, at the Seder. They put it on the inside doorpost. Everyone who's listening. If Hashem said, the sign that you're keeping, you're Jewish and you're keeping the Korban Pesach, is put the blood on the doorpost, wouldn't you want it on the outside of the doorpost? So that when, the, when Hashem goes by, oh, that's, that's Jewish, that has blood on the doorpost, that's Jewish. Bomb question. The answer is much better than the question. I asked this to my Rebbe, and my Rebbe said an answer was, Mwah! Hashem said, I'm not interested in what you put on the outside of your door. To be a Jew and to be connected to me, I need to see what's inside your door. Not the way you walk around in the street. Not the way you show everybody how good you are. How do you treat your wife in the house? How do you treat your children? What's your tzniyas in the house? Are you watching movies? Do you have technology in the house? Don't put the blood on the outside of the house. Mezuzah and 
go make believe that you're so from? Hashem said, that doesn't mean anything to me. See, it means it's true. I don't know where I heard that, but it's probably not true. It's probably not true that that means it's true. But anyway. Girls, it's what's inside your heart. Not what's outside. Yes, you have to be sneaky. Okay, I can wear pants. Yeah, Rabbi said it's inside. We're not going to get into that whole speech with the girls. So what's inside goes outside. What's outside goes inside. I'm not, I'm not even going there. Because they do affect each other. But it's what's inside. It's what's in the chadorim, what's in the hidden doors that's in your soul. That's what Hashem wants to see. Don't put the blood on the outside of the door. To show that you believe in me, put the blood on the inside of the door. Put the blood on the inside of your heart. Put the Yiddishkeit on the inside of your heart. Not what you show everybody else. But what you show yourself, what you do for yourself. So here's the most amazing story, and I say it every year by my table. And I cry a little bit, because when I tell a story, I see it. So when I'm talking about a princess, I know exactly what she looks like. When I talk about a castle, I know exactly what it looks like. When I talk about the food they served at the table, I see it. That's just my imagination, and that's why I'm a storyteller. Because if you see what you're saying, then you see the details, and people like details. So when I see this story, it's to me, it's... And I say it every year. And one day I'll tell everyone who wrote the story. So there's this... In the old days, they... Um, to, to bring countries together... They would have the prince marry a princess, and then by getting married, the two countries would, would come together. That's how, that's how they through marriage. So Spain, England would get married, the queen of Spain, the queen of and king of England, then Spain and England would become one country. That's what they used to do. Anyway, the king and queen of this country died, and they left over this really handsome prince. And he grew up, and he was old enough now to get married, and they made a shidduch with a beautiful, beautiful princess from another country, and he was going to go get her, bring her back to his country, get married, and the two countries would be one. So, he gets into his beautiful carriage, he's, he's the king, he's the, he's the next king. He gets a beautiful carriage, he's got like ten soldiers around him, the viceroy, which is like the guy who helps the king, who's like his assistant, is in the carriage with them, and they're on their way now, it's going to take uh, four weeks to get to the princess, and four weeks to bring her back, and the whole nation is very excited, you know, royal marriage, not England, but royal marriage. So, he gets into the carriage, and they start going, in two days, they come into the woods, and a tree fell across the, the road, and it was blocking, he couldn't go, so they, all the king's horses and all the king's men try to put Humpty Dumpty together again. Um, just to tell you a little bit about that little song, when Rabbi Wallstein was a little boy, and he was in pre-1A, is when my teacher taught us that, story, that song. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's house, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It's good, it's not Dr. Seuss, then I couldn't say it. So, I raised my hand. I was a little guy, a little munchkin. What was I, six? I don't know, seven. I said, teacher. She said, yeah, Wallacein. I'm like, why couldn't they put him back together again? That was my head. Like, the song is the same amount of, if you say, and all the kings told the old man, could put Hunty there. Could it, could. It's, one, it's the same word. Like, so my teacher looked at me and said, because that's how they wrote it. Great answer. Okay. 
But now, many, 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 I'm not going to tell you how many years later, but many years later, whoever wrote that song was brilliant. You see, what I have learned is that all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Only Humpty Dumpty can. You can have the best therapist, the best coach, the best everything. But if you don't do the work and you don't want to get better, all the kings was looking can't put Humpty Dumpty back together. Only Humpty Dumpty. You got to do the work. No one can do it for you. Godless of a song. It's godless. It's so true. Everyone's waiting for everyone else to fix you. You can fix me. No, nobody can fix you. Nobody can help you. Only you can help yourself. We can coach you, but if you sit on the, if you don't get on the, if you don't, if you don't go play ball, you can go to the gym, to the best gym with Seal Roberts, only girls, right? You're not going to do a co-ed gym, right? Unbelievable gym with spinning classes and weightlifting and jogging. And you come to the gym and you sit on the chair and you don't get up. And you do this an hour a week. Guess what? You did nothing because... Only Humpty Dumpty can fix themselves. If you're not going to do the work, you can have the best spinning class, but if you're not spinning, you're sitting in, in your bicycle and you're not doing anything, eh, it ain't going to help. Anyway, that's totally off the subject. But So now you have another thing to say about the Seder, Humpty Dumpty. Anyway, so he's sitting in his carriage. Again, I'm, this, I'm seeing this picture. I don't know how many of you have, have pictures in your head. He's sitting in this carriage waiting for them to move the tree, and all of a sudden... This hand comes out of the ground, filthy, dirty, full of mud. Alms for the poor. Could I, could I get a pence? Could I get a pence? He looks over the window. He sees a hand and some kind of person laying in the mud. And he's like, what's that? And all of a sudden, all the soldiers, it's an assassin maybe, all the soldiers surround this person in the mud thinking it's, it's an assassin waiting in the mud to kill the king. And he looks down, it seems to be a girl. And he says, Stand up! And this person in the mud says, No, no sir, no sir, just, just a pence, just a pence, just a little charity, that's all I want. He says, Stand up. He tells the soldiers, Stand her up. This girl gets up, in his whole life, in the worst creature feature film he ever saw. This was the most disgusting thing. Tree monster that was coming out of the mud. Her hair, total mud, lice, ugh, just like filthy. Her dress like ripped and, and just... Ugh. He looks at her and he's like, I did not know that I had this in my kingdom, that people were this poor. I need to know her story. The vice president says, what are you doing? We're going, we're on our way to get married to a prison. No, this is not Romeo and Juliet. Like, we're, not, we're not bothering with her. We'll pay for her to go to a hotel, get washed up, and we'll give her food. This is not your problem. He says, no, this is my problem. This is my kingdom. And he turns to her and he says, come, sit down in the carriage. And the vice was like, no. She's filthy. You can't put her in this carriage. Gold with satin and... He says, am I the king? You're the king. I'm the king. Put her in the carriage. So she sits across from him. Wow. And he's just staring at her. 
making her very uncomfortable. Just staring at her. And this guy was sitting next to him. He's like, what is going on here? And he's just staring at her. And he says, tell me about yourself. She doesn't even look at him up. She doesn't even look up at him. She says, my parents died when I was very young. And I've been living in the forest. And this is where I sit to gather money at the crossroads. At the crossroads. And have you ever been educated? No. You have a house? No. Okay, turn the carriage around. We're going back to the castle. The vice was like, no, we're not. We'll take care of her. You, you're young and romantic and that, but this is not, this is not going to end up good. She's a peasant. You're a king. It ain't happening. Am I the king or you the king? We're going back to the castle. Now, everybody was expecting them to be away for a long time. All of a sudden, the carriage comes back to the castle. The whole place is talking. The whole place. WhatsApp, Yeshiva World, well, you name it. Nias, Allah Nias, this Nias, that Nias, CNN, everybody's talking. What's going on? The prince is back with, what is that? And he gets out of the carriage with her and everyone's like, what, what, what is that? And the vice was like, you don't understand, we're going to have a rebellion. They think you cracked up, they think you're out of your mind. This is, this is not going to go well. And he says to the women that took care of his mother and took care, take care of the women of the, of the castle, they say, listen, I want you to take her, um, wash her up. I want my mother's gown on her, my mother's jewels, her makeup. And at 8 o'clock tonight, I want her to be at dinner, the dinner table. The vice for everyone's begging him, please, just let her go. We'll take care of her, I promise. We've got to get back. We gotta, they're waiting for us in the other country. You're going to start a war. He's like, am I the king? I'm the king. Eight o'clock, huge room, long room, big table, bunch of chairs. He sits down, viceroy, other royal people, in walks this girl, but not that girl. This girl that's magnificent. You never saw such beauty in a woman, maybe Chava. Totally out of hand beautiful. And everyone's like, that's not her. No way, that's not her. Some other girl switched. And he gets up and he pulls a chair out for her to sit down. And he's very proud of himself because they didn't see what he saw. And the vice was like, you don't think it's the girl that you brought, do you? He goes, it's her. Says, How do you know it's her? He says, you remember we were sitting in the carriage and I was staring at her for a while? Because yeah, he said I was, I was looking through the mud at her features. Those are her cheekbones. That's her face. Those are her eyes. It's her. He said I was able to see through all the mud. You guys weren't. Okay, so he's very proud of himself. He made the right call. So they put the food out. But she's a peasant. She never saw a fork or a knife or a napkin. She ate from the floor. So they put the food out and the salad, and she just puts her hands in it and starts eating. And the vice was laughing, and other people are like, and the vice was like, I told you. She's a peasant. I don't care how beautiful she is. She's a peasant. She cannot be a queen. Look how she eats. 
She doesn't know the royal court. It says, beauty is beauty. Royalty, how to eat, we could teach her that. It'll take a year. For Kalchaya, it took a year. And she went to all the different classes she had to. She learned how to play piano. She learned how to walk like a princess. She learned how to eat with a fork and a spoon. She learned to wait for the king to eat before she eats. It took a year, but everybody loved her. Because, you see, she was a peasant. So she understood all the poor people. And she married him. And she was the best thing that ever happened. Because she built schools and hospitals and places for people who have no food. And she brought everybody out of the forest. Mashiach. Okay, Rabbi Wallstein, thank you very much. Make a uh, Broadway movie. Sounds like people will like it. Sounds like a little bit like Beauty and the Beast. Reversed. Maybe the Phantom of the Opera. I don't know. Something like that. No. It's not what happened here. Says the Medrash. That the Jewish nation was filthy. 49th level of Tumah. But Baruch Hu told his angels, I see something in this nation you guys don't see. Yeah, they're filthy. Yeah, they're slaves. They don't have manners. So I'll take them for 40 years in the desert and teach them manners. I'll take them to Harsinai and give them 613 ways to become royalty. I could teach them to that. I could teach them that. But their beauty, their inner beauty, that I saw and you did it. So angels, you were wrong. Now, this is a Zoya, what I just told you. This is not some story. This is not even a medrash. This is a Zoyar. And I want to read to you. And we'll end with this. I want to read to you. It's also the very beautiful, it's a very short medrash. When the, when the angels came to Hashem and said, Medrash Rabba, if you want to look it up, uh, where is it? Sif Yudalid. Um, when they came to... Um, And told Hashem not to go. Moshe said, "Why would you come down to Mitzrayim?" When Shari Menu was stuck in Paro's castle, I went down and I saved her because it says in the pasuk, "You're not Hashem as Paro." Hashem played Paro. I went down for one woman, Sarah. I went down to save her. For 60,000 men and 60,000 women and 60,000 children to 180,000 Jews. I'm not going to go save them. I went down for one woman and you think for 180,000 I won't go? I'm going to go down. And I'm going to save them. His love for us, Hashem's love for us, is exactly like what happened in that story. Listen to this 
Zayar. And I'm going to say something, whatever, I'm going to say it, and I'm just going to say it. It says the following. First of all, this is for the women. This is, this is the Kavayasha Perik Pei test. The women should know. It's when you're washing and cleaning and steaming everything because of the chametz. You should have in mind. The same way you're burning this out and you're cleaning it out, God should clean out the Yitzhahara and his wife. Lilas. From this world. We'll do that. It's the minute to wash your tables, your chairs, and your walls. Because you're worried about chametz. Hashem is barach. Hashem, he should be blessed. His eyes are open to everything you're doing. The holy, the children of the holy. It's they're they're working very hard, cleaning the cars, whatever, to get rid of the chametz. The same way you're doing that, God will clean out all the diseases. That comes from the other side. Okay? Now, this is what he says. And this is scary. I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but listen to this. What is the relationship of the Jewish nation with God on the night of Pesach? Shahari ba'isa halayla shal Pesach. On the night of Pesach, this is the Zayar. We are on the night of Pesach with God together like a man and a woman when they are physically alone together in their bedroom. On that level. And that's why it's called Leil Shimurim. It's the only night during the whole year where you can leave your doors and everything open, you have nothing to worry about, because the chasan is together with the kala, and he will protect her. It's a level of zivug, it's a level beyond anything that anyone in this room, including Rabbi Wallstein, could even understand what that means. And therefore, when you set the table, this doesn't say this by anything else, that when you set the table for the seder, you should have in mind that you're setting the table for the chassan who's going to come tonight to your seder. Hashem and the Shekhinah. The Alkain. And therefore, Chalila the Chalila. Chas v'sholom. L'saken hasiva yidei shifcha nachris. That your table should be set by a guy. No maid is allowed to set your seder table or your Shabbos table. It should be done by a Jewish girl. Now what I'm about to say doesn't exist with Shabbos table or any other, or Rosh Hashanah's table or any other table, only the Seder because Hashem is coming to the table. It's really very good. It should be done through a Jewish girl. Who is, if she's married, she's tar, she went to the mikvah, and she's not tame from being a nida. 
Umikol shekain, it's even better, ayidei besuli Yisraelis, a young girl, who never had a period. The level of Kedusha in setting the table of the Seder should be done by a girl, not a woman that went to the mikvah and she's told her better than that, a, a 10-year-old or 11-year-old who never saw a period. Pshita, it's simple, but that's the best. And he writes, Nahag Mayri the Rebbe, my Rebbe, he writes, his Rebbe, you're talking 300 years ago. He would go look for a young girl, Shaloi Royasa who never had her period. What's going on over here? Rosheta table is not like that. Shabbos table is not like that. Purim table is not like that. Chanukah table is not like that. Find a girl that's 10 years old. What's going on over here? Says the Zayar. Then you need to know. That that night you should sit, you should sit at the table and sing Zmiros with happiness. Don't show Hashem a face of I'm in a rush. You know, you're home and your brothers and your little sisters come home with all their pamphlets with questions. And it looks like it's going to be all night. So when they start asking questions, what do you say? Ask it by the meal. <laughs> Let's get through our stuff fast. We'll do it by the meal. No, 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 no. The chassan is coming to hear what the kala has to say about him. Could you imagine that you're sitting with your girlfriends, you just got engaged, the window's open, and they're like, is he cute? Does he have dimples? Is he like a big tamachachem? Are they rich? And he's sitting outside the window listening to you, listening to all your friends like all over you. Can we see a picture? And you're like, let's talk about something else. I don't want to talk about him. Could you imagine if he heard that outside the window, what he would feel like? Says the Zayah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes with his angels to hear what you're saying about him. And people are talking Russian hard about other people and politics and family stuff and school stuff. And there's a Katsushama girl sitting by the Seder studying because she has a final... Hashem comes to hear, let me hear what my, 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 my cow is talking about me, and you're talking about some shtus? What an insult. So, the Zayah said, be very careful. Don't show like you're in a rush. Show that you're very happy Hashem chose us. It's a chiv on every person to talk about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, and why you're talking about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. Again, your personal Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim is just as important. Getting out of your addiction. A girl called me last night. She said, Rabbi, I am 28 days, no, no Goyesh music. I said, it takes 40 days to change Amida. Her 40 days comes out, Pesach night. I said, you know what? Talk about it at the table. You're addicted. You are in chains. You are a slave. You are addicted to Goyshi music. You're out. You're out of a triumph. Whoa. So your own stuff you can talk about also. What happens when you talk about in the house? God gathers all those angels, you know, all those soldiers that were like, ugh, she's ugly, what are you taking her? All those angels that said, stay away from them, they smell. 
You're the king, you're God, you're royalty, they're a bunch of peasants. He gathers them all over Omer and he says to them, come, let's go. Let's go down to their table. Every one of your tables, every Seder, he goes to every Seder. Let's hear what they're saying about me. Asbam Kulam, they all come, all the angels, Hashem. And they're like, wow. Listen to what they're talking about, all these miracles. You were right. You saw you saw something in this in this peasant woman called Clyusro that we didn't see. You're right. You made the right call. Wait. The angels are forced to admit that the Jewish nation is holy. Sheesh Baharat that lives on earth. So smechim, look how the cow, the Jews are happy with Simchas HaGeula Shalbayram on the Geula that God redeemed us. Now, the Zaya says something that I never understood, and Hashem gave me the understanding last year. Us, therefore, this Tatav there's an extra strength that's given to Hashem in Shemayim. Yisrael Besipahu, and when the Jews talk good about God, Neishnim Koyach, we give koach to Hashem. What do you mean? Hashem doesn't need our koach. Hashem has all the koach. Like, what does that mean? I didn't know what that meant. And all the Jews, all the nation become in awe of God. All, all, the, all the angels. What's going on over here? You give koach, I can give koach to Hashem. Anyone can give koach to Hashem. The answer is beautiful. The answer is that God said... And you see us with Triam, that I see something you don't see. You see ugliness. You see 49th level in Toma. I see beauty. I see Kleisro's features. Now look, thousands of years later, they're sitting at their table with their little kindleloch sitting there, everyone dressed Shabbos stick with the matzah and the silver and talking about Hashem and talking about even though we went through COVID and even though we're going through such a terrible world that we believe in Him and talking about all the nisim that happened in Mitzrayim and the, and, and the 250 that happened by the Yam and Hashem's like, look, I was right! You were wrong! What does that give for Hashem? That now... When the Yetzirah and the Satan and the angels talk bad about us, what does Hashem say? You were wrong last time. So you're wrong again this time. It gives them the Kayach to answer them. They're like, look at them. She has technology. This one's going out with a boy. She's wearing pants. This one talks such a horror. Look at these kids. They're all off the derech. And they're telling Hashem, like, why, why are you saving them? What's what Mashiach? Why you need Mashiach? They're low lives. They're assimilating. They're going out with Goyim. They don't even believe in you. Half of them are atheists. Half of them are Chal Shabbos. Half of them are on their phones the whole time. You think the HR has stopped saying that? So Pesach Nad Hashem says, really? They're the same girl that I married thousands of years ago in Mitzrayim. Yeah, they're a little bit dirty right now. But the features are the same. Yeah, they, they don't have the right manners. We'll teach them the manners. Mashiach will come. We'll teach them the manners. So it gives Hashem the Koyach to answer them back. That's the power of Pesach. That's what's going on. Not a breadcrumb. The breadcrumb represents just letting things happen. Nike, just do it. So I'll tell you something very cute and I'll let you go. We're very late and the other girls are going to be very upset. Maybe they won't be upset. I'm not sure. Whatever. He also says here, V'loy lo'emel be'hiris. 
Say the Haggadah slowly. Don't say it fast. Don't make it look like it's like a load that you carry. I can't wait until the saying is over. I'm saying it was over at 12.30. My say it was over at 4.30. I wish it could last longer. I just usually can't keep my eyes open. Sure, sure, I don't know long. Whatever I can say, the hell, whatever I can say. I don't want to leave that table. God's at the table. And I hear other guys are like, we, we were done by 12.30, like, chatzois. You got to eat the coffee, come on by chatzois. I'm like, oh, you keep all the others, manim a whole year? All of a sudden, chatzois. A whole year, they make Shabbos 10 minutes late, but chatzois. Have to eat the chatzois, come by chatzois, and then we're guaranteed, chagadi is only 20 minutes, the whole end. Well, chatzois, right now, what's chatzois? Probably 12... 12.09, so it's probably about 12.20. So if you eat the matzah by chatzos, then by 12.40 you're finished. Yay! By the way, I'm not, I'm not ragging on that because really halachically you're supposed to. Okay, eat your matzah by chatzos and then let all the kids say all the dvatoris and then say all the dvatoris, you'll still be up till 4 o'clock. But also everyone's like, by chatzos. But listen to what he says, and this is very, very scary. A person who feels that Haggadah is like a load on their back. And you force it. Or you're lazy, you just, you're not interested. You're not happy. The Kavana slave, you're not thinking about what you're saying. When you're in danger and you need a miracle, God won't do it. It doesn't say anywhere else anything of this type of thing. If you don't enjoy the Seder, and for you it's like a load and you want to get finished, then when you need Him, He's not going to help you. Does that sound fair? So what's the explanation? You're taking revenge? Because I didn't enjoy the Seder? The answer is no. If the miracles of the Haggadah and of Pesach don't mean anything to you, the miracles don't mean anything to you, you don't believe in miracles, miracles, you're not excited about miracles, so you yourself are making a judgment. I don't believe in miracles. So if you don't believe in miracles, I'm not doing miracles for you. Humpty Dumpty. If you don't believe in it, I'm not doing it. So it's, it's not a punishment. It's me that can get me the. You don't believe in miracles. You're not excited about the miracles. And now you need a miracle. You don't believe in it. Why should I do it for you? It's a consequence, not a punishment. Amazing. So I'll end with a cute story. My mother, she should live long, never baked challah. She never baked challah. We always bought challah in a bakery. I never saw challah baked in my life till I got married. And my wife didn't bake challah till now she does, unbelievable. But like till 10 years ago, she didn't bake challah. I said, I never saw challah, I didn't know anything. Now, the Shabbos after Pesach is called Shlissel challah. It's because you had, you had no chametz. So the, I don't know, I don't know if to do it, but Ashkenazim, this is like, Chassidim and Ashkenazim, this is like a big thing. You put a key in the, dough, in the, in the dough, and then you bake it, and that key is a skula, that when you open the challah, you take out the, it's a skula that all the locks in your life, things that are locked away from you, Hashem's gonna open. It's called Shlissel challah. It's a big thing. Right? I put my safe deposit key in there. So my money should like explode. But that might be muksa, so now I put my front door key in there. Anyway, it's Shlissel Challah. Everybody has Shlissel Challah. It's like, 
people who don't ever bake, they bake chesulcha. Anyway, my wife, we're married a few years, and she said, we got to have chesulcha. got to have chesulcha. So we'll go to Glotmart, and there's a company called Canary Kosher, and Canary Kosher has challah, frozen challah, and she didn't, my wife didn't know how to make challah, and you buy the challah, it's, you, don't, you don't give challah, the challah from Canary, it's given already, you don't have to give challah, but it, 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 you put the key in the challah. Okay. I want to have challah for Shabbos. So, I come to Glotmart, and I'm like, um, you have Canary Kosher challahs? And they're like, yeah. In the freezer, of course, they're stocked up. Everyone's buying. All the people who don't bake, they're buying the challah. I open the freezer. There's a blue box, Canary Kosher. It's about this big. Square box. About this big. I'm like, I don't want a bilkala. I don't want a little teeny challah. I want a challah! I go back to the, it's a true story. I go back to the manager. I'm like, you only have bilkala. Like little chalas. I, I need a big chal. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, you only have bukhalas. You don't have big chalas. I don't have, I have a thousand big chalas in there. I'm like, no, you don't. He's like looking at me like I'm weird. He goes, let's go to the freezer. And I come to the freezer. I don't know that chala rises. So I'm thinking the chala that comes out of the box, that's the size of the chala. I never saw a chala rise. So he was looking at me and I'm like, I don't want a little challah. He goes, it's not a little challah. I'm like, it is a little challah. He's like, I guess you never saw challah being baked. I'm like, no. He says, Mr. Wallerstein, you take that home. Your wife knows what to do with it. Okay. So I took it home. That's what he said. I bought two of them. I took it home. She puts it on the, on the shelf over there, whatever it is, covers it with a towel. I guess that you got to do. You cover it with a towel. And I went to work. I came back, let's say, 1 o'clock. And the towel is full. There's like a challah this big. I never saw that happen before. I didn't know that challah rises. That's the power of the satan. And that's why it's chametz. If you don't work on yourself, from little averis, little things... And you think, oh, okay, so I watch a movie once in a while. I did. The Satan's koyach is, if you're not working and working and working, that little avera becomes big. That's the isa, the sour, is what ferments it, is what makes it grows. And that's what you have to work on cleaning out of your soul on Pesach. May we all have this chus. I heard this... I feel sorry for the other girls, but this is very important. Every time I hear something when I'm supposed to give a shear, I know that it's supposed to be sheared. I heard this two days ago. A, a girl came to a rabbi, a woman came to a rabbi, and she said, I need your help. And the rabbi said, a rebbe. And he said, how can I help you? And she said, my husband ran away. He ran away. Could you, could you get him back for me? We were married for 15, 20, 20 years, and... And I miss him, and he ran away. Maybe the rabbi, maybe the rabbi could bring him back. So the rabbi said, why did he run away? Why did he run away? She said, look at me. I'm ugly. I'm, I haven't taken a shower. I don't take care of myself. 
I'm obese. I'm, I just became really, just let myself go. I don't take care of myself at all. And he just, he just didn't, didn't want to be with me anymore. So the tzaddik, the Rebbe said, so, so what could I do for you? What do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to tell him? So sad, this story is so sad. So she reaches into her pocket and she takes out a picture. A picture. My checkbook, but it's a picture. And the Rebbe says, what's that? And she says, it's a picture of me at my wedding, in my wedding gown. She doesn't really want to look at a picture of a woman, but she said, Rabbi, you need to look at the picture. And he looked at this picture and she doesn't look at all like the woman sitting in front of her. She's very beautiful. Beautiful girl. And he said, what do you want me to do with the picture? She said, go to my husband, give him the picture, and tell him if he could just remember how beautiful I was when we got married, tell him if he comes back, I will be that beautiful again. I promise. And the Reverend Mama started crying. And he found the guy. And the guy said, what do you want? He said, I'm only here to deliver a picture to you. A picture? He says, yeah, your wife said I should give you this picture. And he takes the picture and he's mamish, staring at his wife from 20, 30 years ago and what she looked like. And he just starts crying. He says, she was so beautiful. I can't go back to her the way she is. And the Rav says, she promises that she's going to take care of herself. And she came back and she took care of herself and they lived happily ever after. I'm not going to send you home broken. That's how the story ended. What's the story about? It's the same thing with God. It's the same thing. We're not beautiful anymore. We're not what our ancestors were. We're not where we're supposed to be. And we're in Golos. We're separated. We're not married. We're married, but we're separated. We're not divorced, but we're separated. The Kavana, the thought, and whoever's watching, the Kavana sitting at the Seder should be, Hashem, look at me now at the table with my family. That's who we really are. Remember the kala you took out of Mitzrayim. Remember the kala you gave the Torah to. We promise, if you would just come back with Mashiach, we'll be that girl again. But you got to come back. Look at this picture, and that's what the Zayar is saying. And that'll give God the Koyach in Shemayim to bat for us and to, and to bring Mashiach this year. That's the Kavani you need to have. That, yeah, maybe I'm not so beautiful right now, Klaistral, but remember who we were? And we were amazing girls. You wouldn't put up with the boy that's going to propose to you what we put up with Hashem. Because Hashem told us, Lech teich acharai by Midbar. 
You know where I'm taking you? We're not going to a hotel. We're not going to Miami. I want to marry you. Will you marry me? Okay, where's the bracelet? Where's the ring? Where's the necklace? Something. Hashem said, I'm not giving you nothing. You know what I'm giving you? A trip into the desert with dough on your back and your shoes and your sticks. Nothing. Lech teich acharai ba midbar. He didn't say, I'm taking you to Ganeiden. I'm taking you to the land of fruit and honey. Lech teich acharai ba midbar. Hey girl, you want to marry me? We're going into the desert with nothing. Not even water. Nothing. No necklace, no bracelet, no ring, no honeymoon, no fancy restaurant. I'm taking you. I love you. But I'm not giving you nothing but sand in the desert. And this nation, us, looked up at Hashem and said, let's go. We're going. We need to bring that back to the table, Pesach night, that Hashem should remember. That He didn't get down on one knee and give us jewelry. Or propose to us in a restaurant. He proposed to a a nation of slaves that were broken, broken, that their children were killed and murdered. And he said, okay, let's get out of here. Where are we going? To the desert. <sighs> Thanks. Why couldn't you just kill all the Mitzvah and we could live in Egypt, in their houses? Now we're going to the desert, you got to get out of here. And we went. That's what Hashem has to remember. If he remembers that, and we sit by the Seder the way we're supposed to, Next year, you're not going to have to open the door for Eliyahu to walk in. Eliyahu's going to be in. Mitzvah Hashem. You should have a wonderful, amazing Pesach. And when you're scrubbing and cleaning, have in mind, I'm scrubbing and cleaning my neshama. Tzlach and bracha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.